welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness and well-being and I'm delighted that you're here. Morena everyone, hope you are having a great week. We certainly have been just Spent the last weekend in Rotorua doing a heap of running, van lifing, cold water thermogenesis dips. Currently we're running a cold thermogenesis challenge in my Mickey Willardin Real Food Nutrition group, which is super fun. And um, basically trying to make the most of winter, really. So today on the podcast, I'm delighted to bring to you my discussion with Brody Kane. Now, she is someone that takes making the most out of life to a next level. Those of you in New Zealand will be well familiar with Brody in her work in radio, TV, Seven Sharp, Fair Go, and now she is the owner and operator of Brody Kane Media. So now she's out there on her own, working in media, doing MC, public speaking, basically anything that comes her way, and doing it with real style. So Brody and I talk about her upbringing and I suppose how that plus her sort of early career has really launched her this platform to be able to make the most of every situation and you'll hear us talk about how Brody last year in the midst of COVID very early on found out that she was no longer hosting the breakfast show in Christchurch where she currently lives so that sort of forms a I suppose a base for our discussion on how Brody deals with curveballs that life throws at her and the things that she's learned and just some of her you know who inspires her in this media space and I call her my mate Brody because she really is everybody's mate she's such a good Kiwi chick. So for those of you who are not so familiar with Brody, she is an award-winning journalist, been in radio and television, and she currently is based in her home city of Christchurch here in New Zealand and working on some super cool projects. So she is a host of Girls Interrupted podcast, one of the most popular podcasts in New Zealand. Uh, currently and she's also got a new podcast called Kiwi Yarns which she chats to a whole bunch of super interesting New Zealanders. She works on a number of content creation projects for various brands and also within media industry too. In addition to all her media work Brody is a bit of a superstar athlete as well. She has a background in surf life saving, something that she inherited from her parents. And she's super keen on those long endurance events, marathons, half marathons, coast to coast, and has, as you will hear us talk about recently, sort of taken up yoga as well, like every endurance athlete really should. So um, you can catch Brody at brodykanemedia.com or just on Instagram at Brody Kane. Please enjoy this conversation I have with Brody Kane. Brody Kane, how are you? I'm actually good. I'm I'm feeling good. It's a Monday and I've just I'm just easing into the week. I think sometimes um Mondays should be uh, a gentle start for as many people that can start gently. I highly recommend it. I started gently this week. <laughs> May I understand I teach for four hours on a Monday morning and oh. but in part I sort of want to slam myself into Monday to get it over and done with you know. I, I, I've tossed up over the years what actually works better for me. I am actually I've always hated them to be perfectly honest. I think it's funny because we, as much as, you, you know, there's all the, you know, power of positive thinking and that, I just don't think you always have to be. And I think that when you've had such a lovely weekend or something and you've, and you've been with your mates and that, and then you've actually got to go back to the grind, it is okay to be like, Ugh. so I was fortunate enough that today most of my, I've scheduled most of my day to be in the afternoon. So I really did just, I got up. I had some brekkie and went for a swim and now, you know, the, the work starts in the afternoon. So that was, that's something that I quite enjoy if I can do. And for you, and I'm going to say thankfully for you at this point in time, you can do that. So you're no longer having to get yourself out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. Start. And we will get to 
just the change in your evolution of your career. Got to say, Brody, I've been stalking you. Um, I mean, I do anyway, like 38,000 other people. I might have actually underestimated that. And, um, and it's almost like we're living parallel lives. So for the long run, you went to a crowded house. You had a swim this morning. That's how I did all of those things as well. Had a, had a beezy or a wine or some, some kind of alcoholic beverage. Um, and I'm like, mate, Brody, you are living my life. I think we're very alike, actually. Well, there you go. It's a great life to live. It is. I? The other thing I know, or I think I know about you, is you've got a bit of a penchant for fried chicken. Is that right? Oh, my word. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, actually, all chicken, to, to be fair. I mean, um, you know, like a beautiful buttermilk fried chicken or a karage chicken or, I mean, I'm I'm... Like you bring me home a, a hot chook from the supermarket with some fresh buns and you've sold me. So, yeah, it's like it's a running joke with more, all my friends and stuff like that as well because quite often it's just like, oh, I don't really feel like anything else other than chicken. And so quite <laughs> often I'll just get chicken. And they're like, is that it? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm absolutely perfectly, perfectly content. It's a, yeah, it's a real big, strong passion of mine. You know, Brody, I love fried chicken. It's actually, it's my favourite thing when I was doing a little bit of background research on you, which is pretty easy to find information because you are like everywhere. I'm like, mate, not only does she like running, she likes fried chicken as well. You're a girl after my own heart. Well, and the good thing is if you've gone for a big long run, you know, you need the protein and, and you need to replace it. So it's the best day to have the fried chicken after the long run. Well, to be fair, I would know a bit about that given my nutritionist, you know, status. Um, so it gets the tick of approval. We can do it on the on the run day, eh? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? If you do it on the non-run day, that's fine because you're going to be running tomorrow anyway, really, aren't you? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, Brody, like, I suppose the one thing that does differentiate you and I, other than the fact that you're a few years younger than me and you're in the South Island, which I love, the South Island, um, you're a bit of a celeb, which I am not. And... Uh, and interesting, like I was again doing some background Ricky on you and you have done quite a bit in all of your years and you are, you know, you're such a, an influencer out there now and your, your, I suppose your career has really evolved and in some ways, and I might be wrong, absolutely correct me, obviously you've said in the past right time, right place, but a lot of hard grind from your early days as being a bit of a roadie for the rock. Mm-hmm. Trees, yep. yes. Can yes. confirm that. That was back in, um, while I was at uni. I think that was like first and second year uni. Amazing. To then kind of like um, knock on some doors, put your foot in alongside with getting the quals and broadcasting, postgraduate kind of journalist. Is that right? Post, postgraduate yeah, postgraduate journalism at Canterbury, yep. Yep. To then end up on our airwaves and uh, on our screens. Um, what a road, Brody. Brody. Yeah, I, well, it's um, it's funny because I think that yeah, I'm. What am I turning this year? I, for a whole year, I thought I was younger than I was, but I'm pretty. What am I turning? I'm, I think I'm 35 this year, um, and I think it's. I don't know. It's I, if I look back at it all, it does sound like it's all pretty non-stop. Um, I've always been incredibly determined, mm. and. That sort of, I think, has been really helpful in striving for what you want. And, and I've always been someone that's set goals and always been someone that's look, you know, looking ahead and what am I doing this year? What do I want to do maybe next year? And not being always, um, you know, that's not saying that you, um, that might not, that, that might change because I think, I think what I like that I've done is, um, I guess it probably happened more so in the late 20s that you find that, it's okay to have goals and that, but if the if the um, if the goalposts shift or you need to sort of take a career turn or something, that that's actually okay. So I've actually always been quite open minded towards that, um, and I think that if you kind of go into things going, well, this is right for now, and this is not right for right now, and and sort of roll with the punches. Sometimes I think that that's quite quite a good way to operate, and I've always really really loved what I've done that hasn't meant that it that it hasn't been hard you know and and you know the the sort of you've had you have your good days and you have your bad days and you have jobs that will really test you but I think if you remind yourself why you're doing it 
And if it's if you can't answer that, then you know maybe it's time to to look elsewhere. So I've I've always thought that I've I've been quite, and that's probably to do with my you know my family, my parents, and and values and things that are being taught. Um, is to just you know make sure you remember your why. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I suppose you have to when you're doing kind of right at that base level of you're cooking sausages outside the warehouse or wherever it was that you're cooking sausages and in your early years, probably thinking in your head, you know, it's, well, at least you think you're a people person. So actually, like jobs like that, I imagine, yes, it's work, but it's also, you know, it's quite fun to kind of do that, but also with that goal in mind of, I'm doing this because I know that this is just a stepping stone to get where you want to be, hopefully, in the end. It might take a few years, but that's putting in the groundwork. And mm. you, you don't seem like a person that's at all afraid to put in the groundwork. Well, I think that even if I look back at when I was a young kid and a teenager and stuff, and I was, you know, like some people are very, some people are lucky, some people are naturally gifted, some people are jammy. Um, but I think, you know, there's, that's probably a small selection of people in various pockets of the world or, or their lives and, and I might, might be really lucky in some realms and not in others but I kind of have learnt from a young age that you know you have to work hard to, to succeed that you will you and that you should work hard um, and that things shouldn't fall on your lap and if some if one day that happens great you make the most of that but also be very very grateful for that um, so yeah when I was a teenager and stuff playing sport and 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 that kind of stuff or you know even studying I had to work hard to to do well so I think if it's drilled into you at a young age then then you're aware of that and I mean you know when I was starting out early as a journalist you know you wanted things you you know you're young and you wanted things the next day you know you're like why am I why am I doing this job yet I mean I've been doing this for but you you know you just that with time you appreciate that there's nothing actually wrong with being hungry for something but also you know a bit of patience and and just chipping away chipping away um and then you know as you get older you realize that that's really really important as well just to you know things will happen if you if you you know you you align the stars yourself they will happen yeah and did you always want to be kind of on the airwaves or did was it more journalism um was it was um print or uh, a print media, I suppose. Was there anything that kind of was on your radar as well, Brody? Um, so I, I, I definitely wanted to be a journalist, and you know, when I was, um, gosh, we, yeah, so I, and I wanted to be a, a, a war correspondent. Like Mum and that were like, I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> um, I wanted to, I wanted to travel the world and, and learn about the world and stuff. And so I, you know, went to uni and I, I studied journalism, and then. Um, I started working at Radio Live was my first job and then had a few years there and then went to News Talk ZB, then travelled and loved being a journalist. Absolutely, you know, really, really um, have such fond memories of the jobs that were strictly journalism. And obviously then um, I came back from overseas and I worked on Q&A, the political show, and then Seven Sharp, Fair Go, or Fair Go, no, sorry, Seven Sharp, then Fair Go, and then on to um, presenting sport on breakfast, and then on to entertainment-based radio. So it's not like you can't still say that you're a journalist, but like, for instance, when I was working with Fitzy on the hits, you you could offer your journalism expertise, and, and, and you know, you're, you still are a journalist, but the job had changed somewhat and it probably yeah. had a little bit um, in, in a couple of the other ones where you're being asked uh, to, to inject your personality into things, which is not really, you know, what you're taught to do as a journalist. So for a while there, when that was kind of happening, it was a bit of a like, oh, but that's not true journalism. And, you know, you'd have these sort of like moralistic battles, but then, it, then, it, then you were kind of like, well, if I'm enjoying this and, and this is something that is required of me and, and, and the feedback is really good, then maybe you do just move away from it a little bit. So I like to think that um, I'm very proud and grateful of what I've learnt um, over the years as a journalist and the skills that you get, you last forever, you know. Yeah. Um, understanding the law and ethics um, is really, really important and I find it really, really important, obviously, as well with the growing... Um, 
I guess the growing and changing dynamic of social media, which, you know, there's a lot of grey out there with that. But um I'm yeah, I'm I'm stoked that, you know, I did so much work as a journalist and probably not on the day to day do as much, but you yeah, it's like riding a bike, you just you'll always do it, you'll always love it. Oh, totally. And I definitely want to come back to, you know, some of your earlier career and ask you a little bit about that. But I I mean, I look at what you do out there on social media and I do think, you know, what you've had to learn as part of your career with journalism has meant that you you are less likely to fall into that grey zone when it comes to social media and what you can and can't do, which is probably which is obviously a really good thing, you know, because you've seen oh well at least I've seen on my Instagram feed over the last year, quite a lot of backlash against, for want of a better word, influencers. And I feel you're more than an influencer, you know, like, the, and I don't want to, that sounds like I think influencer isn't something that you want to be, but you know what I mean? Well, like it's, you, unfortunately, the word's been tarnished by influencers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the word yeah. has been sort of bastardised really, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. But essentially, you know, like you are less likely to fall fall into the same traps that others have who wouldn't have learnt some of those morals or ethics that you would have had to be quite clear about with your kind of journalistic background. And not only journalism, I mean, let's face it, when you're getting up and you're, you're part of someone's morning, there are obviously uh, sort of lines that you don't cross and, and things that you have to be aware of there too, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think that there's, gosh, we should all, you know, like anyone that almost has a social media account now should have to take some sort of like online crash course in terms of the do's and the don'ts, you know. Um, so, you know, and it, it is scary when you're looking in this world of, people questioning information and people doubting facts and people finding other bits of information from non-reliable sources and conspiracies and that. And it's really, really worrying, you know, and I I don't know what the answer is to sort of like pull it back. I don't know if there is. I mean, I think, I don't know what the guy's name was that created the internet. I'm sure if he was around, he'd be horrified to know, you know, how it sort of morphed into this uncontrollable monster. But, um, yeah, I, I think that um, we, we, we need to do a bit more in terms of how information and that is out there, but I don't have I the answers. <laughs> no, no, I totally know, and that's the problem with conspiracy theories, right? There's this thread of truth that runs through something, so if someone sees that, as, it, as there always is, it's any kind of pseudoscience, mm. and then that's where the conspiracy kind of builds from, and your general population who doesn't necessarily know how to read science or wouldn't, you know, can look at a YouTube and go, wow, that's so compelling and so convincing. Um, I don't know. You'd get that too. In your line of work, like with people that are just all all of a sudden overnight experts and telling you what to have with your smoothie in the morning and stuff like that. Oh, mate, and Game Changers, really good example of really bad science. And it just took the whole vegetarian thing to it to a new heights but back to you Brody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you moved from Christchurch to Auckland is that right radio live yes yep it's kind of like just um gathering stories for the newsroom I don't know I, I think that's right isn't it yeah so you um it's interesting when people people are not always entirely sure what a radio journalist does because quite often when you're in your car listening to the radio you'll hear that news bulletin well, that's what all the journal like you hear the newsreader read it, but the journalists in the newsroom will will write and produce that stuff, and you know, and you go out and you know, the, you might be at a, I don't know, like a, uh, well, you might be at, go grim, you might be at a homicide inquiry, and you've got you've gone out there and you've interviewed the police officer, the officer, then you come back in and you you cut slice up bits of audio and write the story, and then that gets put in the bulletin. So you're actually, uh, you know, in the radio um, journalism side of things, you're a, a lot of the time you're sort of behind the scenes and, or doing, you know, live crosses with some of the radio hosts and stuff like that. But great, like, amazing job, radio journalism, because you just get to do everything. You just get to do absolutely everything. You're thrown into all sorts of stories. Yeah, and was that move from Christchurch to Auckland, was it daunting for you, Brody, or were you just, like, amping for it at that point? No, I th- I think I was really excited um, and, you know, there was a, actually a couple of mates of mine uh, moved up at around the same time and it wasn't so daunting because I'd already, you know, I'd, I'd already been doing some um, like kind of interning at Radio Live and I'd worked at Radio Works so I didn't feel like a, a completely new kid at school 
But then I remember moving up to Auckland and I actually remember um, the, the most overwhelming thing that I think, <laughs> I don't know whether, whether I'd notice it now, was that just everyone was really well put together. You know what I mean? Like everyone in Auckland didn't, no one was at the, seemed to be at the supermarket in the track pants or, you know, everyone just seemed so incredibly well groomed and you'd go to the gym and it was like, oh my God, this place is full of like models and this is really intimidating. And so you sort of got, you kind of got sucked in and being a bit overwhelmed about superficial stuff actually more than anything. And then, then you kind of got over that. You got your group of mates, you know, you met some people, got some group of mates and, and I, yeah, love living in Auckland and I've, um, I've moved back down to Christchurch and then back up to Auckland, I think three times in total since 2007. So <laughs> I've done it a fair bit. You have, you've managed to avoid Wellington, which is awesome. Well done. Well, I love Wellington and they say you can't beat it on a good day. But yeah, so I've never, no, I've never lived there and I don't know if I could deal with the wind. I love it. <laughs> no, I, know. I just don't think I could do the wind. Again, Brody, I'm absolutely with you on that. I love Wellington to bits, but my God, every time I'm there, I'm in such a grump because that wind just really kind of messes with my constitution, you know? I'm not quite built for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, any real highlights from your early days at Radio Live or even your early News Talk ZB? Like, any things that really stand out for you professionally or that kind of might have changed you or helped you develop personally? I mean, we were, when I worked at Radio Live, we were a really small newsroom. And I remember actually, I think it was my second ever day, and my, my news editor at the time printed out this piece of paper for me and sent me away to the High Court in Auckland um, to go to the depositions hearing of Chris Kahui, who you will remember was accused but then acquitted um, of the murders of his twin babies. And so I had never been to a High Court and I had this piece of paper and and had to go there and, and cover that. And then I um I actually covered the, the trial as well. Um and a, quite a few other big court cases. Like I covered that one and the Nia Glassy trial in Rotorua, which was a really, really hard four weeks to to, to sort of be involved in that. And quite and quite a number of other high profile murder trials so a lot of crime a, a lot mm, of a lot crime of- in those in my early days as a journalist and it was something that I it's weird to say it's not that you enjoy it it's not like oh this is fun but I I, I really was interested in the criminal justice system so I did you know and so I don't know if you would again if you say that that's but I learned a lot and Met, met some, you know, pretty amazing New Zealanders that are involved in, in, in tirelessly working to, to, you know, to make New Zealand a safer place and, and that. So I, I'm, I'm, I remember that period of, of work really well. And, but I mean, even just your, your newsroom chats, you know, like yeah. you, the people that you, you spend time with in a newsroom, are, it, it is like family. Yeah. So you just you create that you have this real sense of community and you work these ridiculous hours and you know it it just you, when you get together with people that you haven't seen in a year you sit there and you trade war stories and like it was yesterday and and so I really really um, love that and and can remember many things like they were yesterday you know it was it was <laughs> it, yeah it was, it was good it was good fun you know it was hard work but it was really yes. good fun um but I would say that yeah you know things that stand out of being involved in in some of those very high profile criminal cases and and what you learned from that and you know opening your eyes to 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 things that are happening you know, you know good or otherwise you know so um yeah. um yeah that would be that would be the answer to that one yeah, and you were so young at the time as well, right? Because that was, you worked there for three years before, or, or I don't, maybe that's wrong actually, but when you were 24, is that when you went overseas, over to London yes, for a yes. few months? Yeah, it must have been, um, it was, it was 2011. Um, you must have been turning 25 that year because it was the year of the earthquake in Christchurch and and I moved down to, I, I, left, I was leaving News Talk and then, I, then the earthquake happened then I, came down because I was coming down anyway before I was going overseas and so I worked for them for another few weeks before I went for the um you know and covered the the the, the aftermath of that huge tragedy 
and then yes, and then I went overseas. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd squeezed in a lot of work um, yeah. before before going overseas. And was it a hard decision, Brody, to kind of because you were kind of twenty four, slightly older than. Typically, you know, people do a three-year degree and then hoof it over to London. You kind of started to, I guess, make a name for yourself and then to go, right, now I'm going to go and do my OE. Was that a big decision to do at that point? Or No, I was ready for a day. I was, I was, yeah. Well, I felt like I was, uh, yeah, I was like, right, I've got to go. I've got to go. And I just thought, if I don't do it now, like, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're like, well, you can come back to to a job, you can come back to a career, but go and go and have your fun, go and see the world. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't actually a tricky decision at all. It was more like right, let's let's start saving some money and let's get over there. And and ended up being away for I think it was a, it was thirteen months actually. I was away and I just had a great time. And yeah, that was a that was a that was a wild year. It was epic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And with your family being in Christchurch with the Christchurch earthquakes and, and things like that, when you came back just for that couple of weeks to do a bit of covering it, were there any kind of thoughts in your mind of I'm leaving my mum and all, all yeah, their... Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough because we have, a, um, you know, we're a really close family and I sort of felt bad that I was leaving you know they were okay, and the I mean the the house suffered damage, but it wasn't anywhere near what you know so many people w- were going through, and it was livable, and toilet was flushing, and all of that. So they were you know they were fine, um, but you did feel a long way from home, you know. Um, but also you know they're like you've got to, you can't let that kind of thing stop you. So it was it was okay once I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure once I was on the plane and landed in Bali, I was like, right, it's time to be a young person now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And actually, given, I suppose, how your career had progressed with, as you say, like covering a lot of that kind of um, the the political side of things and the justice system side of things, like I imagine that that makes someone grow up pretty quick, you know, mm-hmm. compared to, say, going into... Again, this is, sounds like I'm going to be disparaging another um, profession, but you know, a typical corporate kind of job where you go into a bank and you start working. You know, like your career progress, like you're just exposed to a lot more, I suppose. And then you have to be involved and you have to know what's going on outside of your own wee world. Um, so probably quite timely for you to go woohoo, be, yeah. a, be a young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and it was just. I think um, if anyone can do it, they should do it. You know, we we live in a, and I think it makes you far more aware of what's actually going on in our country as well. You, I think you, it's very easy to um, live in New Zealand and take a lot for granted and or be sort of in a bit of a bubble, to use a buzzword, um, and sort of have your blinkers on, whereas you go and, and spend some time on the other side of the world and you realise, you know, that we, you know, that what we've got here is pretty unique. Um, yeah. Absolutely not without our issues. Um, but certainly makes you aware of how things are working around the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, thinking back, like, who were your kind of mentors or your inspirations for in that whole kind of journalism, the radio space? Like, people that really either mentored you or you looked up to and really kind of wanted to emulate in, to some degree? Well, I think that um, there's, you know, this, and there still is so many amazing women in the in the media and you know you'd hear women like Kim Hill um on Radio New Zealand and just be like oh my god I'd love to be able to interview like that um and you know of course um Ali Moore um was someone always that I always um looked up to and Hilary Barry um Christine Amanpour who was on, who's on CNN she's still um one of the main chief I think she's chief international correspondent um for CNN and so you, you you could you were never you know you could always see these wonderful strong women, and just think yeah I think I could I could be like that too, and yeah. I remember um, actually you know and and I'm very very fortunate that well I've worked with Ali and I've worked with Hillary, and I remember Ali once took me out um, you know you, th- you 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 always wonder what what these people might be really you know people always ask oh what's so and so really like what's so and so really like and so many people can have such a long lasting effect on you and also uh make you appreciative and also make you want to pass on what they have to you like i remember working at 
uh, Q&A and then I got my next job on Seven Sharp and I, you know, I hadn't really been on screen before. And mm. Ali took half a morning, out, you know, to come out with me. We we booked a camera and, and we went and she taught me how to do piece to cameras. And I'll always remember that and I'll remember the day and I'll remember her pointers and, and that kind of thing and, you know, lots of wonderful tidbits of advice from wonderful producers. I've worked with another amazing woman that I worked with that I learned a lot from um, was Shalene Hearn and Brian McCormick, who are amazing, more behind-the-scenes kind of producers that just incredible to work with. So I've been really, really lucky um, that through the course of my career there's been some pretty amazing um, people, P- particularly, you know, the, 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 the amazing women are, are really memorable for me. Um, yeah. So uh, really, really lucky to, to have had that kind of involvement with them. Awesome. And as I understand it, you were overseas when you got the, um, the kind of call up to come back to New Zealand or you started looking for jobs to come back to and that's when you kind of started going on into TV rather than being on uh, radio. Is that right? Yeah, so I was living in London. I was sleeping on a mate's couch. I was earning six pounds an hour and I was having a great time. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> okay, I, you know, I... I need to go home now. I, well, I need to get. I need to. I need to get back into the swing of things. I need. I was missing. I was missing working. I was missing working as a journalist, and it kind of was a bit like Murphy's Law. I literally took this. I did this job interview for for Q and A, and then about the about the second day after that, I finally after emailing for months and months the BBC, I finally got a a shift there. But then the next then the next day got the TVNZ job. And I was like, oh, what are you going to do? And then I was like, nah, okay, I think that if I go home, um, you know, I can give this job a really good crack and and, and pave out a a really, you know, a strong career at home. And I sort of was like, if I stay here and work at the BBC, not that there's anything wrong with being at the bottom of the food chain, but I was working around people that knew three or four languages, you know. And I also was like, classic young person was like okay so if I work there it's going to take me x amount of months to save up for like to move into a place or do I stay living on the couch and save x amount to travel in the summer and then I was like oh my god grow up and go home yeah (laughs) so 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 I was like okay that's cool I've got unfinished business over here but let's go home and and rip into it and it was a great job yeah I loved loved working on Q&A so yeah came home and it was like sweet ready to go let's let's do it back to Auckland you know that's awesome. And then Seven Sharp, and I think that's when I, I think, because Q&A is probably, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm probably a bit ignorant when it comes to politics and stuff like that. Oh, slightly less so now I'm older, but certainly back then it would have been slightly more so. So um, Seven Sharp was when I remember, I think, seeing you, Broden. I think yes. we actually met on either Seven Sharp or Fair Go. You well, came I, in. I, yeah, we did the, um, I remember, we've, I think we've done a few things together, but I particularly remember the detox diets on Fair Go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The old de- de- debunking the detox diets. Oh, I always love a good debunk of that. It's always quite good, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that well. Wow. Yeah, nice. And um, like, so anything in particular there that you know? Did you? Who have you met outside of, I suppose, your colleagues or you know, people in your industry that really stood out to you in your kind of later years, like Kiwis, international people? Oh, I mean, do you know what? It's funny because you always think of like, oh my, who's the most amazing person you've interviewed or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the most starstruck I've ever been was when I got to interview Mick Fleetwood. I was oh, like, nice. this is a rock and roll star. Like, they don't get bigger than this. And he was so tall and just so rock and roll. And I was just like, be cool, be cool. And, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, he's done how many how many thousands of interviews would he have done? And you're that you know you're thinking, how am I going to make this different? And what am I going to ask him that he hasn't been asked and stuff like that? Yeah. So, but it was it was great. I I loved that. Um, and I've met some wonderful you know wonderful sports people as well. I mean, we we are so lucky here in New Zealand that um, by and large our sports people are just fantastic human beings because they're Kiwis. Um, yeah, yeah. And so you know. 
watching someone like Lisa Carrington and the, the success that she's achieved, and I used to do surf club with her, you know, and I always say to her, you remember like I when we were like 17, I did beat you a couple of times. She's like, yeah, yeah, radio. <laughs> you know, so we we have um, we have such great access to um, to our sports people, which I think we really should be grateful for. Um, and but also equally is just everyday Kiwis. You know, um, when I worked on breakfast, you would travel all around the country and you'd go to like, you know, I remember one day going to Onga Onga, Onga Onga School in central Hawke's Bay. And, oh, yeah. you know, and they were just the coolest kids. The whole school were like so excited to have breakfast there. And yeah. just like getting to get around the country and meet people that are just every single day making New Zealand a better place in their own way. You know, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to meet a lot of those kind of people. And that's why I love storytelling is that's why I feel like a, it's a really, I feel lucky to have that job because in, in the various ways that you can do it and you can do it with podcasting, you can do it. Um, with video content, you know, and that's what's beautiful about the, it's what I find beautiful about the media is that you can tell people's stories and people's stories deserve to be told. So I feel very lucky that I've got to do a lot of that um, over the past 13 years. Yeah, it is amazing. You're right. And of course, you're continuing to do it, at least with the audio, with your um, the Kiwi Yarn podcast. And of course, the girls uninterrupted, which was the girls on top, but just a same podcast, different name. Yeah, we we had to re we relaunched when we were no longer um, employed by NZME, which is sweet. Um, and so we relaunched in the middle of lockdown last year. And so yeah, so two different podcasts. That one's been going for um, oh, it'll be coming up three years soon. And that sort of morphed into something that we're really proud of in terms of it being a. We want it to be a safe, fun environment. Primarily for women, you know, yeah. it's not like anti-men, my God, or not, not, not encouraging them to listen, but it's a, we want it to be a community for women to hear us say what they might be too scared to say or um, talk about sex and talk about careers and talk about anything that you as your girlfriends would sit around and have a wine with, you know, and, 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 but, you know but also find that balance of, of serious and funny and light and shade as well. So that's, we really, really love doing that and um, really, really proud of that, creating that kind of environment. And then Kiwi Yarns is at the moment really more like a, a selfish passion project because I love speaking to people and hearing their stories. So when you're not necessarily working anywhere where you can do that in a, in a I guess, mainstream, you just create your own podcast and away you go. So um, that sort of gives me that real um, rewarding kind of feeling to, you know, go away again and do all my research and, and chat to people and, and you know, and, and you'll know as well how lovely it is in a podcast format because you're not having to rush. It's not, you know, you know that it's not a 15-second soundbite or like that you've only got three minutes. So that's why I think podcasting's so great. Oh, I love it. And that's what Wikipedia is, right? It's absolutely just because I wanted to um, email a whole bunch of people I've been dying to talk to and go, hey, can I just ask you about yourself? And, you know, all the things that go through my head when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm seeing Brody, you know, go for some like, oh, what's Brody training for? Oh, I know, actually, the two-day coast-to-coast, oh. which doesn't actually involve swimming, which I know you know because yeah. you've done it multiple times in various forms. But you're right, podcasting is so like that. Girls Uninterrupted, though, is brilliant because it's what people love. This is the whole thing with social media, right? We want to know more about Brody. We want to know what Brody and her mates think about these things, which me and my girlfriends talk about, and you know, but is what we're thinking about and talking about in that space. Is that how everyone else thinks about it? So that is the beautiful thing about your podcast, Brody. It's awesome. Yeah, well, we. I mean, it kind of started as. It just it's just morphed into you know it's morphed into that and we did a bit of a tour last year and we're going to tour again <laughs> I'm going to go on tour again and brilliant because I think I I, rem I remember going uh, probably a couple of years ago I was asked to speak at an event which was you know for women to come along it was like a brunch thing and I just went oh my god we should be doing more of this because nothing is more 
rewarding and heartwarming and powerful than a bunch of women getting together and meeting and networking and chatting and laughing and you know I, I wanted us to do that because I remember that feeling and how great it was and and I think that we need to be doing more things like that where we you know we get together and because it really really lifts you up so yeah I, I um I hope to do a lot more of that and that's and that again yeah that goes to you know about what the podcast is about is you know it's a it's a product so but it's also about making people feel good and making people feel involved and relate you know being able to relate to things or you know but also disagree with something I might say and but agree with Caitlin or agree with Gracie you know it's still still can have that element of people that are quite different you know coming together yeah no absolutely and it is it's like that connection that might be built over the in our ears whilst we're listening to the weekly podcast but then you actually have that face-to-face gathering as well because those social connections are so key right Mm, absolutely now Brody, um you know you were with tvnz for i believe like close to six years and then you went on to the radio show with mm-hmm. is it andrew fitzgerald is that right dave dave god sorry dave um right. obviously being in auckland or dunedin dave wasn't on my airways no no but, um, he wasn't no but um that was kind of like I've heard you say you're not such an early morning person. Oh yeah. But you had to get in a good routine for those early mornings. Well, because I uh, so but the the funny thing was actually was I left breakfast to go and do the hits in the mornings. So actually going from breakfast, which was a half past three alarm, to a half past four alarms felt like a dream. It was like oh, <laughs> that is fine, you know. Um, so, you know, so when I worked on breakfast, I mean, it was one of the funnest jobs that you like, you know, it was so much fun and great team, but gosh, those hours and you just actually, it's a constant state of jet lag, honestly. Yeah. And like, you'd get to like half past six at night, halfway through the news and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to go to bed soon. So it was, the hours were tricky. So then when I got to radio, it was, I sort of told myself it was a bit more of a treat that it was an hour later and you do I do I think you get used to it um kind of like you you know I I think that um when I actually moved back to Christchurch and did the radio job I got myself into a really good routine um you know good good eating and and good exercise and and really prioritize those things so by and large I, I did feel quite good through that but I do remember when I finished that job pretty much about like just over a year ago now I remember and then we we, obviously we went into lockdown and stuff and man I I reckon I remember about three or four weeks of just I did not set my alarm Mm. and I was just sleeping like 10 11 hours a night for three or four weeks and I was like that must be me catching up just in just the most glorious sleeps so um what, and then I, I remember saying to my PT, he was like, oh, you know, if you can get back into a routine of, of you know, not stupid early, but uh, I just sort of, I'm sort of now between a sort of a seven and eight. Seven and eight oh, is where I operate. You know, if I have this to be earlier, that's fine. I'm not, you know, if I have to get up early now, it's not like, oh, God. But I like, I like uh, seven o'clock, so seven to 7.30 is, is where I like to be. Okay, so a couple of questions because I've always wanted to know this about people who have to get up that early. So, would you have a nap during the day, bro? Oh, when yeah. you're on your three oh, yeah. thirty a.m. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional napper, like yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, where possible, you couldn't always have one, and there's some strict guidelines like you can't start one after four p.m. That's too late. Oh, you yeah. know, prime time is about one or two, um, and no longer than an hour. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I find, like, with a lot of my clients, particularly women, they do not nap. Like, oh. they they don't let themselves nap. And I'm, part of me thinks it's this whole idea, and I don't know whether you've come across this with all of the people that you've interviewed or just that you kind of engage with on social and stuff, is that women feel like there must be a better something else for me to do. If I've got an hour to nap, then I could be spending an hour doing washing or doing this other job or you know hoovering or something like men are much better at it so I'm so pleased that I just I I wasn't a napper before that job and then it it actually became a part of your day like you'd plan it 
and yeah. I love which is now in turn given me a real passion for naps. I I just yeah. think they're just the most beautiful thing. You don't always need them, but if you feel like if you're in a position on the weekend and it's you know a Saturday afternoon or something, and you're like, oh, I just think you should embrace it. They're just so they're such a beautiful thing. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, and what time would you go to bed? Oh, the three thirty shifts. Um, you'd probably it was like eight thirty would be the latest. Mm. You know. Um, and but yeah, sort of yeah. Usually, I mean, I found it. I always found it hard to go to bed unless I was absolutely knackered. You know, it's, it was easier in winter to go to bed earlier when it was dark. But summer's the pits when you've got to go to bed and it's still light. Um, so yeah, it was usually around eight to eight thirty. Um, sometimes nine. Um, and sometimes you'd travel is what you know. Like there was a lot of travel involved in that job, so you would, you know, be flying all over the country and stuff. But I, I became really good at sleeping on the planes too. Um, and sometimes when you travel though, you'd do your own hair and makeup and not have to be up as early. So you'd, you know, you'd be like, oh, I can stay up till nine because I don't have to get up till half past four. So, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, did, you sort of, you become very good at getting up and just going straight into autopilot. Yeah, nice. Now, Brody, as you said just before that you, you know, finished up at that job, like almost a year ago now, just before lockdown, was that a surprise to you? Like, yep. Yep. Was it? Yeah, it was so you not, guys didn't not, have an idea? No. No, it wasn't, it wasn't expected. Um, so it did come as quite a shock, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I wasn't expecting it at all. And that's okay, though. It, we went through a process, and, and then that's what happened. And I, I think you would, um, if you talk to anyone that was made redundant, there's, there's a, like, a, a definite set of uh, emotions that you sort of go through. And then, but then I sort of, you know, I had some great people around me and it was like, right, well, okay, that's happened. Can't really do much about that now. So we've kind of got to draw a line in the sand. But then, of course, lockdown happened and the pandemic, you know, accelerated. And so, and I had a couple of other things that were supposed to be on the go and then they stopped. And then it was kind of like you felt this incredibly like that you had no control over anything. So I have to admit that the first, and I did lockdown with mum out here at Waikoku Beach, and she will probably attest to the fact that at, at least the first week, probably into the second week, I was a bit all over the place. And it was more so because I didn't have control over what was happening, but also was watching what was happening in the media industry and going, oh my God, I'm not going to get a job. What am I going to do? Uh, and there was nothing at that point in time. I could, you know, we're all at home. So I just felt really helpless, but then managed to just go, just, mate, just relax, just take your time. And so, you know, and, and, and I did, and I got myself into a very good, like, lockdown routine of nice walks and nice runs and nice gins and nice food and, like, you, you know, and just went, okay, well, can't really do much about this right now. Um, yeah. But then did start that, you know, that's when we, we, we rebranded the girls' podcast. So that was a good that that was a good time killer because I had to learn how to do all of that. Um, and then it was just the slow chip away of, well, is this the time to maybe start working for yourself? And, and, and you, was that always you on your shots. agenda? Do you know what? Yes, I have always thought it would be great to contract out, essentially. So, you know, you are sort of the architect of what you want to do. And so that had always been something that I thought would be great where you could be in a where you could get yourself and your skill set and your reputation into a position where you can do go from this and you know do a project here and then move to something else and and work you know and so I've always thought that that would be great sometimes it takes maybe a decision that you know that's out of your hands to to do to give something like that that a crack so I think that um, you know, with what happened last year, then it was like, okay, well, maybe this is the universe telling you that now's the time. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's been, you know, it's been uh, Brody Kane Media officially launched in July, you know, got the old company's company certificate and oh, stuff good. like that. And I have to say, between now and then, there's, you definitely have days where you think, what are you doing? I've got no idea. Oh my God, am I going to be able to, afford life you know or, or everything well the, mor yeah, the yeah. mortgage shit you know all of these things <laughs> yeah. um but there there has been, it's so rewarding 
working for yourself. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you've got some amazing creative ideas, like Brody's Roadie. You know, like you accidentally buy a bar leaner up in Auckland. You're like, right, I'm just gonna create this whole thing around actually going to get it. Like, where do they come? Have you always been that creative? Well, I think that I don't know. I just, you know, I just like entertaining and making people laugh yeah. and feel good. And you know, I think that if you've got something worth sharing that's funny and engaging, then and you, you know, like the roadie was. Um, you know, I, we, I wasn't on television, I wasn't on radio, but it, w- it would have been no different to a content plan that could have been executed on either of those platforms. And I was like, well, stuff it. I don't have either of those, but let's just do yeah. it anyway, you know? So that's kind of, you know, where that, well, I mean, my friend did actually legitimately buy a Barlena in the wrong city. So that was, it happened. And we just were about, we were like, I was like, oh, come on, let's go. And then it was like, oh my God. And then, of course, when Rhodey rhymed with Brody, it was like, oh, this is destiny. Oh, yeah, totally. And so um, it's been, a, you know, it's like when mum and I set up the Joe Burrow show through lockdown and interviewed a whole bunch of Kiwis and stuff and went, okay, well, we don't have our own TV show, but we've got an Instagram account. Let's just give it a crack. And, you know, so there's a lot of options that are not necessarily tied to traditional forms of media um, that people are still really interested in, in, in listening and watching. So... If you can't quite make it to the the mainstream, just do it everywhere else. Totally, and and to be fair, like so many more people are probably not not necessarily getting rid of mainstream, but they're turning to the the newer the the you know the Instagram and the um, those type of platforms to get their news and get their entertainment and and things like that. I mean, I don't know. I hardly ever watch. I, I can't think of the last time I watched TV, you know, mm-hmm. for anything other than what was actually on the other digital platforms. Like, yeah. kind of where things are moving from, too. Yeah, I think, and I mean, I think that, you know, um, journalism is incredibly important and we need to trust and rely on our news sources now more than ever. Um, but, but you're right, the way that people want to access that has changed. So people are having to improvise and, 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 and know that, like, you know, there's sort of, you know, when there's in the middle of a crisis, everyone is going to turn on the news at six o'clock. But, mm. but also, um, but businesses like that and that are also uh, realizing that that's not people aren't doing that every day. They're not waiting till six o'clock to get the news, or they're not getting the paper in the morning, or you know. So there, you, there is a lot of change. We're in the midst of a lot of change in terms of how people are accessing or choosing to access their content. So to give people more options is great. Brody, like. Being on like kind of your own entity, if you like, and, and being solely on these other kind of platforms, has that changed how you had to interact with people who might be trolls or, you know, like any backlash around that compared to, say, if you're covering a story on the news and people don't like what you're saying and, you've, you know, they're unhappy and they let you know about it. Like, has that changed or Do you know what? Is it the same? I'm really like, that fortunate like? that I touch wood... I hardly ever get, I mean, if I do and it's somewhere, I don't see it. So I don't ever, I don't, the only reason I don't follow any news sources on things like Facebook is because I don't want to be tempted to go in and dive into the horrific trough of comments. So I don't follow any of them on on that because I don't want to see comments. It's not that I don't want to see news. I don't want to see comments on anything. So I don't personally receive a lot. I mean, you'll, you'll get the occasional, like, you know, someone being a bit of a dick, but who cares? But, but um, it's, yeah, so, but when I worked in, in television, it was incredibly different. People are, well, yeah, people are ruthless and brutal, and people are ruthless and brutal on, on online, and I used to speak out about it quite a bit because I felt like we're so... Um, you know, we want to protect our young people and our young people and, and their mental health and our alarming suicide rates and that. And it's like, hang on a minute. We've got adults here being dicks to other adults online. How, and you've got kids, you know, like I remember quite often you'd see someone that had said something really mean about you and you'd click on their profile and it's someone with like three kids in their photo of, you know, mm. and you're thinking, what are you doing? And so... I think it's a real shame that we've allowed the floodgates to open in terms of how people are allowed to speak about other people 
um, publicly now. You know, before social media, you either had to just either man up, not man up, but like brave up and, and march down the streets for what you believed in, or you had to ring talk back. And even ringing talk back takes a, you know, you've still got to put your voice to something or write a letter yeah. to the editor. Now you don't even need any of that. You can fire off a comment, you know. And so I, I worry about that and I wish that it wasn't that way and I wish we even allowed it to be that way. And, but, you know, I, I was, I've learned a lot to ignore it, you know, because yes. the, the dumb thing is we're all a bit like this where, you know, 99 people might tell you you look nice one day but one person says something bad and that's all you remember. So if you just remove yourself from that and realise that it doesn't matter what they think, you know, you can't, not everyone is going to like you. I understand yeah. that. I don't like everyone, you know, but what's your behaviour towards that, you know, for that person? Um, and so as long as you appreciate that when you're in a role that is quite public and you, uh, you involve your personality and, and that kind of stuff, of course not everyone's, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I get sick of myself sometimes. So it's just finding that balance of knowing that it, it's okay to not be liked or validated by everyone but also you know if you need to call someone out that's being a bad person then actually you know absolutely do that and I will do that I would always do that and I get I think it's I I agree with you with that with kind of don't you don't see it then you're just not aware of it and it's I don't think that that is um kind of hiding your head in the sand with it it's just, if you don't need to engage with people who don't agree with anything of what you're like saying mm. then you don't have to make yourself feel bad by going in and reading every single comment oh, yeah, that no. they've put about you being, you know, whatever it is that they've said. Yeah, don't be read, don't read, don't read the comments. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brody, like you've always been active. I like, as I understand it, you know, you've kind of grown up with a bit of a kind of a competition fire in you, and you've done a number of different sports and and things like that. You mentioned surf life saving, obviously. Um, active family. Your mum. Did she oh. swim, cook straight? Yes, she did. She did. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Has she ever said, come on, Brody, it's uh, going to be a family tradition? Or? Oh, I've told her I've made it. Well, it's funny when she did it. So she did it when she was 40. Um, she had first paced with a, a guy when she was 16. So she's done quite a bit of swimming in that piece of water. And then, um, so she'd promised herself that she'd do it, come back and do it when she was 40. And I remember, so I must have been 10. And. I thought it was really cool, obviously, back then. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then as I got older and wiser, I was like, I could not think of anything worse. (laughs) Swimming for like 10 hours in the middle of the ocean? No, not interested. I don't think so. Having said that, though, like you are a bit of a go-getter, you know, like you've obviously, you've you trained for the Kepler. You didn't quite make it, as I understand, injury. done the team coast to coast, done the varying legs of that, and now have, you must have been one of the first people, on, apparently the coast to coast sold out in like five minutes. Yeah, I know. I was ready, and I, like I was ready, and I was poised, and then like watching the countdown, and then I, got, I did it, I just entered it, no qualms. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And then it was like, oh, okay, okay, so you, you've entered it now. I mean, you know, if it sold out and I'd missed out, oh, well, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> but then it was like, oh, okay, okay. It was really easy. Now it's now now I've got to do it. Yeah, that's true, Brody. But first of all, you've got Hawks Bay Marathon. Is that right? Yeah. So that's um, May the fifteenth. Yep. So yeah, not actually yeah. that far away. Not that far away. So outside of just kind of like being active, what obviously you're and being fit. Um, what other benefits do you get from just kind of deciding that you're going to sign up to these? I'm not going to say crazy things because let's face it, I love things like this as well. But what's your motivation and drive? I think there's a a, a number of things that make them very addictive, and um, nothing can describe or the you can't explain to someone the most the amazing feeling of getting to an event and the camaraderie that comes with it, and that's often with complete strangers. And just being immersed in something where all of a sudden all these people have turned up on a start line and everyone's got their own story to tell or their own journey that they've, you know, that they've had to reach to get there. And 
there's a lot of people there that are set out to win it and that's cool. They sprint off and or whatever off and, and away they go. But the rest is just a great bunch of people who've, for whatever reason, decided to give it a crack and and you're around them and, you know, remember the first couple of early half marathons and stuff that I did, it was like, my God, there's an old guy in front of me, you know, and you were like, ah, now, but <laughs> yeah. then you're like, actually, awesome. Or, yeah. you know, there's just all sorts of tall, short, you know, old, young, all sorts of people that are all doing these things. And I just think that, it, and it's just every, everyday people doing remarkable things. So being immersed in something like that is really, really inspiring. And, you know, I cry when I watch people finish something, you know, the finish line always makes me cry. So that's a part of it. But also really learning to what limits you can push yourself to. And I think that what that does in a physical sense is teach you what you can push yourself to do mentally. So when you've done something, um, you know, like last year with Queenstown Marathon, which went absolutely off the grid, fully plans fell apart. It was the hardest day of my life. But then the lessons that you teach yourself about how you got yourself through that are like massive in terms of, of flipping them into everyday life. So just learning about yourself and, and what you're capable of is, is quite amazing too. Yeah, and to be fair, you, you're, this is what you're doing in your professional life as well, right? And what yeah. you've done yeah. through your personal life with the change in your career, your change in your locations, you're going overseas, you're coming back. You seem to have like put quite a bit in your 35 years, Brody, and you're only 35, you know? So what's it, what's it look like for you in the next few years? Like, do you have a bit of a plan kind of set out or are you letting things organically roll out? What's, what's the story? Look, I think that um, as much as I have said previously that um, I like to have goals and I like to have plans, with in terms of the business and that at the moment, I'm quite happy to, I'm quite happy to see what happens this year. Like, I've got things that I want to achieve, but then I'm like, well, if it doesn't happen because something else happened, you know, like, Part of it's quite amazing where you just never know what's going to jump in your inbox of, of any week of, of an opportunity. Yeah. So I kind of would like to um, see how this evolves actually to actually sort of take the, it's, it's not about not controlling it, but sort of letting things happen as well around me um, at least for another year. Because, you know, people say first two years in business is really, really tough at least. So I'm kind of quite open to that. Yeah, so that, that's, I'm, I'm letting that happen. Um, you know, we've got plans within the kind of things that we want to do with the Girls Uninterrupted podcast and some video content plans and stuff that I want to, to roll out. But I am also just going to see what happens. And then obviously, like, then there's some quite physical stuff like the coast to coast. So there'll be a fair whack of training that'll have to go into that. So that'll be... Um, once I finish this uh, this marathon training, I'll have to get back on the bike, which I don't really feel that excited about. But I'm going to learn to love it. Um, and then, yes, you do. and then, yeah, I mean, just just see what happens. I think we're all probably coming quite accustomed to the fact that there is a bit of uncertainty around life in general at the moment. So if you just sort of focus on the now and what you can control, then you know, leave the other stuff because it just it can get too worrying for people. Or you can you can't. You can't worry about what you can't control. Yeah, now that's such good advice. And I've got to say, as someone who's followed you for a few years, I feel like I'm probably like a lot of your audience and is just so pleased to see how you've evolved over the last year, you know, and because it would have been a bit of a sad space had we not had access to Brody Kane in other ways other than if you happen to live in Christchurch and you're up early enough to listen to morning radio. So um, I'm loving seeing what you're bringing out and really looking forward to what's, you know, what's to come. Not with like, and first up of course is that damn marathon, which oh. will be amazing. I'm yeah. so, I'm yeah. so un, I'm unhappy I'm unable to do it this year, but you know, next year, yeah, hopefully. Well, it's, um, it, yeah, I'm actually really excited because I, the, the goal for this one is to just actually race it really well so oh, i love it okay whatever time is you know okay what happened last time when you worried about time you blew out so now let's just go and race it beautifully run it and and love it that's it brody and that's that's what you're doing with your business it's you in the process of it if you do what you know 
it's what you kind of set up in order to achieve that goal, the goal will happen, you, you know? Like it's about focusing on the process, not the outcome. Awesome. You too, that was wise, that was very wise. I am very wise. Brody Kane, thanks for chatting to me today. Oh, thank you. Lovely, see you. team hope you enjoyed that and next week we're going to take a bit of a geeky dive into low carb and ketogenic diets for people with type 1 diabetes with someone i came across from dom d'agostino's lab andrew kutnik who is a postdoctoral fellow within dom d'agostino's lab Andrew is a PhD researcher studying the influence of nutrition and metabolism on health, disease and performance and he himself has type 1 diabetes and so he is a wealth of information from his own experience and research into the efficacy of a low carbohydrate diet for type 1 diabetes and this is going to be one of two so if you are interested in those kind of topics that'll be dropping next Wednesday. Until then though you can catch me on Twitter at Mickey Willardin, Instagram by the same handle, Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, or jump on the internet mickeywillardin.com where you can sign up to my weekly email or one of my meal plans where you get access to a 28 day meal plan, shopping list, and the ability just to ask me any questions that you have, how to individualize your nutrition approach to optimize what you want to achieve. So um, that's over at Mickey Willardin Nutrition. If you like Wikipedia, absolutely go to your podcast platform, hit subscribe, tell your mates, I'd love it. And uh, until then, have a fab week, catch you next week. See you later.